feeling guilty about it. It's like, please don't feel guilty, right? You need to minister to your family, and you need to minister to your wife, who is pretty upset. So, you know, keep encouraging it. before we get started. Um, as you know, we're having a church picnic next Sunday, the 15th. Um, we're also going to be having a uh, memorial service uh, for Miss Millie, but it's a great opportunity for all of us to just get together outside outside of this hall, um, eat some good food, and uh, hang out, have fun, uh, play with kids, run around, get your appreciated, and I really hope that we see you all next And have a prayer group, and then... Um we uh, talked this week and found that more people could make it this coming Saturday, the 14th. So we have moved the prayer group for the men into this Saturday, 8 a.m. of July 14th. And what we're going to do is we're going to meet back here. We're going to pray together about the church, about our community, different things that are going on. And then afterwards, if you want to put your hands to work, we're going to go ahead and we're going to clean out the food pantry. We'll organize it and have it ready to go so we've got it fully what we need for Lighthouse Cafe on Sunday nights. So uh, I think we've, Billy and I have talked to a lot of the guys here, but if it's something else you're interested in, please just let us know so we know how many people are coming, all right? So we'll uh, see you guys now on Saturday. Looking forward to it. All right, and then uh, a, a couple of you and, and, you know, all of you should know, Pat and I are opening our house every second Saturday up in Harford County. It's very quiet. It's very tranquil. If you need a place to meditate to just get out of the noise um the second saturday of every month from nine to twelve we're opening our house and please come bring a bring a chair bring a hammock bring a blanket and just go out and enjoy the silence um but we aren't doing it this month uh, because we want the men to go to the men's prayer breakfast so next month um the we're doing second saturday but august 10th through 11th we're going to do camping again which was a lot of fun last time. You know, we got, we got to run around, play games, sit by the fire, have s'mores, then do Bible stories, stay up way too late, and just absolutely enjoy each other's company. It was an absolutely fun experience for, for us, I know, and for the people who came. And so if you're interested in coming up and camping with us, uh, we, would, we would love to have you. So if you need details about that, uh, come and talk to me or Pat, and we shall... Um, get you acquainted with that. And uh, last but not least, um, you all know Emma, right? And, and new parents, Ed and Jen Barnett. Say hi, Emma. Say hi, Emma. <laughs> so, Emma, we are having a baby shower for, for Emma, Ed, and Jen. So, Sunday, July 29th, following service, we're all going to get together in the Faith Cafe, and we're just going to celebrate her being here and celebrate the end slash beginning of a long journey. So um, we would love it if everybody would come. There will be an invite, which I have to print out, um, but there, there will be details. We would love to have everybody. Please bring uh, food, uh, your company, um, and if you want any more details on that before I'm able to print out the invitation, just uh, let me know. All right. What kind of food do we want? We, we just want food. 
We want, as long as it's good. It has to be good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Every food's good, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, good morning. Let's uh, bow for a word of prayer to begin our time this morning. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord God of creation, Lord, we thank you. We thank you and praise you for who you are that you are the maker of heaven and of earth, that you are the alpha and the omega, that you are the author of our salvation, and you are the means of eternal life. And Father, we gather here today to worship you for who you are. Thank you for doing what we could never hope to do, sending your son Jesus to come and die so that we can be forgiven and made new and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So as we gather and lift our voices in song, as we hear your word, just open our hearts to receive it. Open our hearts to be transformed into what brings you glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing our call to worship song this morning. So as we stand together to sing and start this off, I do want to encourage everybody. You might have noticed we're... We're a little thin in the ranks today, and you know what? That's a blessing because as a body of believers who worship together, it's always nice to be able to be kind of close and really get to know each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul refers to that over and over again in the New Testament as refers back to uh, God our Father and Jesus as as our brother interceding for that. So we're all together as one Christian family. So... If anybody feels for it, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say do it, but I really encourage everybody. Come up and come a little closer and sit together. I don't know. It's always nice for us now that we're in a small group just to be close and know that we're all here. Who's here, right? So we get to see each other, and we get an opportunity for that next week at the picnic. So just encourage everybody to do that while we sing our uh, call to worship this morning. Blessed be your name. Here we go. And two, three, four.
and I have to say I've been enjoying this uh, sermon series on, I have to say I've been enjoying uh, going through the Beatitudes, um, the first message of the Lord to the people, and I guess of all the Beatitudes, the one today uh, arrests my attention the most, and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing sermon about it, but uh, in the same vein as uh, what we're going to hear about today is the opening scripture, Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand In his holy place, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob, Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of Glory. Okay, we're going to be singing for the King of Glory right here. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. We want to see that King of Glory before us as we worship this morning. Here we go. Two, three, four...
go. Yeah. <laughs> One, two, three, four. as the elements are passed that you take them and just hold them because we take communion together as a family and that song we sang at the cross at the cross 
where the blood ran red. That's what we're remembering here with this meal. It's an opportunity for us to remember what Jesus did on the cross. It's an opportunity for us to remember that Jesus died for us so that we can be washed white and made new. You know, if you've been here before or been in church before, you know the story of the Passover. Something that started way back in when Israel was enslaved in Egypt. And it was a sign of God freeing his people from slavery. And years later, Jesus came to once again set God's people free, this time from the slavery of sin. He paid the price for what we couldn't do ourselves. And before he went to the cross, he gathered his disciples together for a meal to celebrate that Passover. And he had the meal. They ate of the lamb, they ate of the bitter herbs, the unleavened bread. But following the meal, Jesus gathered around the table and he handed out bread and wine. And this bread and wine was to symbolize a new and everlasting covenant was to represent his body that was going to be broken for us. It was going to represent the blood that was going to be poured out for us. So let's bow for a word of prayer. Let's take any concerns that are on our hearts to the Lord. If there's anything that's seeking to separate you from fully engaging, fully worshiping him for who he is, take it to him now and just lay it at the cross. And know that it has been paid for, that his blood ran red so that we can be washed white. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for doing what we could never do ourselves, for paying the price perfectly. Because, Lord, we freely admit that we are not perfect people. There's no person who has ever lived aside from you who has ever been perfect. So, Lord, we thank you for that, and we praise you for that. We praise you that even though you faced every temptation we have ever faced, that you never gave in to sin, Lord. And Lord, as we gather together as a faith family to remember that, to relive that, remember that night, that night when you passed the bread and you lifted it up and you gave thanks to the Lord and you broke it and you said, take this and eat. This is my body broken for you. And Lord, we thank you for the cup, the cup that represents your blood. For after you broke the bread and everyone partook, you poured wine in a glass and you passed it around the table and you told everyone to drink that this is my blood, the blood of a new and everlasting covenant, a cup, a covenant based on faith in you not of any works. So, Lord, we thank you that we are saved by faith in you. 
and we drink to that. Lord, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for eternal life. We thank you that you just didn't go to the cross and die for us. That you didn't just die for our sins. Lord, that you overcame the penalty of sin. You overcame death itself when you rose from the grave and ascended and sat at the right hand of the Father so that we can be made new, so that we can have eternal life, so that we could be gifted the Holy Spirit, that our spirits could be united with God for eternity. So, Lord, we thank you and we love you. In Christ's name, amen. We've been praying all morning. Notice that last week through service, everybody who was coming up here, and whether it was me or Ed or Chuck or everybody, was just. It felt like we prayed all morning. It was actually kind of cool, um, and we just kept going and going and giving it up to the Lord. So that's what we do in this time where we're just praying to Him together. We want to talk to Him, um, thank Him for His kindness and His goodness. Thank Him for His mercy and also for His discipline and His guidance in our lives. And uh, We've been praising him for who he is, for that, um, the King of Glory, the Lord of Hosts. I think about the Messiah whenever I hear that passage, uh, which is just really cool. Um, and then we also take that time to go to him with uh, things that are going on in our lives and things that are going on with our church body. And uh, we lift that up to him because we know that he's the Lord who answers prayers. We've got countless times in the Bible where people did go to God. They asked him for, uh, for his uh, blessing or his guidance, his forgiveness. All of those things, and God answers those prayers. And um, a lot of times he answered them in a way that God saw that he needed to answer it. So we have faith that he is going to answer those prayers um, in whatever way that that he sees fit. But we know that's all for his glory, because he's got the glory over everything. So let's go to him and pray now. Lift those things up to God. And um, we've got a couple requests here, and a couple that we remember from this week. So we'll pray those together. So... And Father, we just come to you today as a group of people who want to um, who want to pursue you. And God, if there's anybody here who's uh, questioning that or um, doesn't know or hasn't had that relationship with you, Lord, I just pray that you be with them. If you can, please be with them right now. Open their hearts and minds, Lord. We know that you can do that. We have faith that you can you can bring anyone to your heart. And Paul writes that. Um, and God, I just pray that you could do that now for. Anyone here who doesn't know you or maybe has known about you and has um, read your word and, and seen what you're uh, seen what you do, but just hasn't quite uh, started that relationship, Lord. We know that through Christ and through the Holy Spirit that you can bring each of us to your heart so that we can be living as your children and your creation through your your thoughts and your words and your deeds right now. You don't have to even be uh, out of this world to be. Um, living your way. And God, I just pray that for all those here who haven't experienced that yet, Lord, please enter their hearts. Show them, um, show them what it means to be uh, saved, have the Holy Spirit reign in us. And for all those who have um, accepted that gift, Lord, help remind us and um, Lord, fill us with the Holy Spirit as we, uh, as we remember you and, and help us have the desire to worship you and to love you and to seek your seek your power and your kindness and forgiveness and mercy um, 
every minute of the day. And Lord, it's with those hearts, God, we just want to praise you and we want to thank you for the life that you've given us to live, for the fellowship of people around us who are seeking you at the same time. God, thank you for the people who aren't part of this fellowship that are in, this, in our lives. And God, I just pray that you um, please use us as your instruments so that all of those people can see you in us in what we do and what we think and what we say and truly help them to see you in ways that confuse them, um, in ways that delight them, in ways that frustrate them and however um, you want us to work, God. I pray that we just fall our, throw ourselves at your feet and let us please use us as you see fit. Um, God, I want to just come to th- this morning with the prayers of... Uh, some of the people here that we want to give to you because we know that you are the God of everything. You are the King of glory and the Lord of hosts. Um, Lord, we want to pray for Ethel Zielinski. That's 92 years old with uh, pneumonia issues. So it's uh, Sandy's friend's grandmother. And we just want to pray for Ethel that you, uh, Lord, please be in her heart. That she knows that you're in control, that you have the power in that. Lord, please help give her some relief from this pneumonia that uh, she's been given right now. And... Um, Lord, just help her to know that in the midst of what's going on, that, that you love her and that you are uh, you're above all things. And uh, we want to pray for uh, Lisa uh, Barber, who's uh, uh, getting surgery for thyroid cancer on the 16th. So uh, someone who's working with Sandy. God, let's just please, Lord, be with Lisa. Please be with her family. It's tough to deal with thyroid, thyroid cancer is how that can spread and where that can go. And um, we'll just pray that... Um, Please care for her in this surgery, Lord. Let your hand work and move. And, um, Lord, just please do that for Elisa as, as uh, she's going through this with cancer. Um, Lord, we also want to pray for Ron as he's over at, uh, over at Future Care. He had some uh, good, uh, good stories and testimonies this week. And, God, I just keep praying that you be in his heart, that you have him continue to glorify you with what he does, um, even if he's outside or if he's in his bed or wherever he may be, Lord. Help him to do that. And um, God, I just want to pray for uh, I want to pray for our uh, uh, Peter and Lynn here as they're dealing with some uh, dealing with uh, some decisions and questions on on where to go and what to do in their lives. Lord, help them to f- see you and focus on you and um, have your guidance at every step of the way they go. Lord, help them to surrender and give it to you as they as they make those choices. And um, Lord, I pray that for Emily and me as well. And um, God, I just. Uh, and I want to pray for uh, 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 just everybody here who's, who's going through, uh, just uh, who needs you, Lord. Um, we have a lot of people here who need you, and um, every day, every part of the day. And there's a lot of us here too that don't always remember that every day. And God, I just pray that um, pray that we would do that. That we would wake up in the morning and um, seek your face, um, rain or shine. That we would just uh, start our day looking towards you as our, as our as our creator and our maker and our savior too, through Son of Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for our salvation as you sent your son to die on the cross for us. And um, Lord, we want to pray together as a, as a body of believers who love you, the prayer that you taught us um, long ago, but still that we can pray today for everything that, that every obstacle and everything that you've given us in this life. We want to pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, God. We come to our time of uh, offering. I have a funny story for you. So I had my occasional uh, rare weekend off. They wanted me to work, Jeff, but I said no. I said my other boss said no. So I uh, got to sleep in two days in a row. It was wonderful. Uh, but I'm excited to wake up on time and be here today. And I, I always enjoy coming here. I, I love being here. I love being with you people. And uh, such talent with our worship team and, and hearing God's word. I just love being here. Um, i got to tell you a funny story. So we thought we'd uh, invade uh, the territory of Ed and Jen and uh, Patrick and Emily over the weekend. We went up to Harper County and did some day trips up there. And uh, our first day there, who did I run into? Uh, Billy. Can't shake this guy. <laughs> but yesterday, uh, we went and uh, rode uh, our trikes on the uh, NCR trail. And that was fun. And uh, as we're going up the path, um, we ran this quirky, crazy thing. It was just like this big rock um, on the side of the, the trail of people's property butted up to it. And, uh, and they had it covered with gnomes, all these little garden gnomes and little signs. And it was the craziest, quirkiest thing. And, uh, and then next, and it's called Gnome Hill, of course. So has anybody else seen it? Okay, uh, it's funny. So, and then next to it, they had a table, and they had uh, a box with snacks and a cooler with drinks, uh, and then a little recycling thing so you could uh, put your trash there. And uh, they were charging uh, fifty cents for the snacks and a dollar for a bottle of water, and it was all in the honor system. Just, uh, nobody was watching it. They had a little bucket there for you to put your money, and. Uh, it obviously was not a business venture. They're not making money. It was just to defray the cost. But what it was, was an oasis on the trail, a place to stop and be refreshed. And uh, I thought that was cool. Um, and it was a, a labor of love and generosity of the people who were in the property next to the trail. You know, they tended it. They stocked it with the water and the snacks they weren't making any money. They took in a little bit to defray the cost, but but it was the spirit of the thing, and it, it just it exuded it with the quirky gnome hill there. That these people are are a blessing to the people on the trail. And I thought how fitting a uh, of an image of uh, what we can be like and aspire to to be a blessing to people on the trail on, on the journey of their life. And uh, that's what I want to be, to be able to be generous and a source of refreshment so that when people come in contact with me, you know, they don't feel like they're taken from, but that they've received. And uh, that's what we are, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Let's ask God to bless our offering and to, to make us generous people. Heavenly Father, we love you. We love you because you've been so generous to us. You've allowed us to be born again into your family and to take on the traits and to become like you. So we pray, Lord, that you will help us to become generous people. 
to be giving. We love you that you put things in our hand that we can give back to you and to others. We love you today in Jesus' name. Amen. in the doxology. Blessings flow, praise Him all creatures here below, praise Him above ye heavenly host, praise Father, Son, and seated. All right, if you are a kid or a kid at heart, you may follow Miss Emily as she uh, congos you out of here. Sorry. Uh, let's begin our time this morning by opening up God's Word. So if you have His Word, and I hope you do, go ahead and open up to the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 5. Now if you're not familiar, Gospel according to Matthew chapter 5 is about two-thirds of the way through your Bible. It's actually the first book of the New Testament. Just one of those fun things. You you may have picked up, I always say, the Gospel according to, because that's the way, up until recently, it's always been referred to. It's not the gospel of Matthew. Gospel actually means good news. And Matthew's telling the good news of Jesus Christ. So it's his, his you know, story of what he saw and witnessed, just like Mark, Luke, and John. So it's the good news according to what they witnessed. So if you've gotten there, we've been reading this every single week. And I'm going to begin right in verse 1 again of chapter 5. Seeing the crowds... He went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. 
Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is God's word. Let's pray. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have it in our hands, that we have it on our phones, our tablets, that we have access to it wherever we go. Lord, even though we have access to it, we need to be in it. We need to be in your word, studying your word so that your word can get into us because the word is not just some words on a page. The word is a person. And Jesus Christ is the word. For in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So when we get into the word, it is so that you can get into us. So give us eyes to see, ears to hear, minds to understand, but hearts to be transformed. So that we may be in you, so that you can be in us and live through us for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So last week, if you were here, we talked about mercy. So before we get diving in, let me ask a question. How have you shown mercy this week? Now, don't have to worry about answering that. We'll come back to it in just a bit. See, if you weren't here with us last week or recently, we've been going through this thing called the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are found, just as we read, in the fifth chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew. And it is the beginning of the greatest sermon ever preached. Matter of fact, most of your Bibles label this the Sermon on the Mount. And it actually goes for a couple chapters in Matthew's Gospel. And it's taught by our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's an outline of what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And the crux of all of that is our utter dependence on God and realizing our inability to save ourselves. In the first week, we discussed that we are to be poor in spirit. And we do this by realizing that we are born with sin and that there is nothing we can do about it on our own. This understanding leads to what we discussed in the second week, where we are to mourn our sinful nature and grow to despise our sin as we understand that it is sin that separates us from God. And our mourning goes beyond ourselves. Our mourning goes to the world as we mourn the sin of the world and the separation that the world has from God. In week three, we discussed what it means to be meek. And meekness is a humbling of ourselves. As we come to understand that we cannot do anything about our spiritual condition, our relationship with God, and then we learn to trust God, to do what only God can do. And these three characteristics 
leads to thirsting and hungering for righteousness, which is what we talked about in week four. It's when we realize our spiritual condition, we mourn our sin, we humble ourselves before God, and we are hating our sin and desiring the things of God so much that we are thirsting and hungering for something more. And we're hungering for God to come in to our hearts, to come in and transform us, to come in and fill the need that we have. We thirst and hunger to live in a way that honors and glorifies God. And we can only do this when we are focused on Christ, when we are seeking to be in the center of his will and living moment by moment in his spirit, allowing his spirit to leave every thought, every word, every action, to lead everything that we do. We also understand that because of the first three Beatitudes, it is God and God alone that fills that thirst and hunger for righteousness. And last week we discussed how all four of these characteristics lead to a heart transformation. As we seek to allow God's righteousness to live in and through us, we learn to seek and show the same mercy that we have received to God and to give that mercy to others. And if you remember, we learned what mercy is. We learned that mercy is seeing a need, having sympathy for the person that is suffering, and then doing something about it. So that brings me back to my opening question. How have you shown mercy this week? And again, I don't want you to answer out loud. Because ultimately, this is between you and God. But I would say, in all honesty, if you haven't found yourself convicted by what we've been learning the past several weeks, that you really need to spend some time with God. You really need to ask God to transform your heart. See, the Beatitudes that Christ begins the Sermon on the Mount with are what it means to be a Christian. And you can use them as a measuring stick for where you are spiritually and if you are truly following after Jesus Christ. This week we move on to perhaps one of the most awesome, awe-inspiring, humbling, and frankly scary verses in the entire Bible. Let's take a look again at Matthew 5.8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, we can't really hope to unpack the power and the magnitude of this one verse in just one sermon here today. Really, all we can do is really hope to understand its broad aspects and meaning in our lives. And to begin with, we need to understand that this verse, just like all the others, does not stand alone. It cannot be taken out of context. This verse, just as the other Beatitudes that we've been studying, are part of one narrative. And they are in a very specific order for a reason. We're going to find that last week, this week, and next week tie directly into the first three Beatitudes that we studied. 
See, mercy, which we talked about last week, ties directly into being poor in spirit. A person that is poor in spirit understands the spiritual poverty that they are in. A person poor in spirit understands that they have nothing in themselves. And as such, they are spiritually dead before God the Father. And realizing one's own poverty is an essential step to understanding mercy. A person poor in spirit understands the need can only be filled by God and will want others in need to experience that same mercy that they receive. So they, in turn, extend mercy. See, we can only extend mercy when we have received mercy. We can only receive mercy when we understand we are poor in spirit and allow God to do the work. This week, we're going to find out that being pure in heart is tied directly towards mourning. And if you remember that sermon and remember what mourning is, mourning is our mourning of the condition, our weeping, our internalizing and understanding that separation that we have from God, the condition of our heart. We are to mourn our sin. And we are to mourn our desire to sin. So what does it mean to be pure of heart? Well, I'm glad, Dan. We're going to talk about that. So let's just take a look at the word heart. Now, we need to understand what Jesus is and isn't saying here. You see, Jesus isn't talking about the physical heart muscle. He isn't specifically talking about our physical actions, although that is tied to it, Jesus is addressing our spiritual heart, the very essence of who we are as a person. See, Jesus is concerned over the condition of our heart and its desires, not just our physical actions, because he understands that our heart, our desires, impact what we do physically. And this premise becomes the foundation for the entire Sermon on the Mount and throughout all of Jesus' ministry. See, it's important to understand that Jesus says pure of heart, not pure of mind. Jesus doesn't commend the superior intellect here. He doesn't say, blessed are the smartest people on earth because they will see God. No. As a matter of fact, Jesus condemned the intellect very much throughout the Gospels. One of the people they did that with was the Pharisees. He would often condemn the Pharisees. They were the teachers of the law during Jesus' time, and they had gotten to the point where they were so concerned over the intellect and so concerned over external behaviors that they would create all sorts of rules and regulations so that you could try to measure up to what they thought you should be doing. So Jesus often would take them to task. You see, they had forgotten that faith is a heart issue. Now, this isn't to say that intellect is bad. When we first hear the gospel, it's our ears that hear, and then our mind ponders on it. And our intellect allows us to learn, to learn more and more. And as we open up God's word and we seek to know him more, it's our intellect that begins to allow that to happen, which then begins to transform our heart. 
But see, the problem lies when everything we know about Christ remains in our minds. And it never travels down to our spiritual heart so that we can live it out and so that Christ can live through us. Now, however, we also need to not buy into the idea that Christianity is just some emotional experience. Anybody here guilty of that one? I'm the only one? Okay. Well, the rest of you just want to hear what I go through. So maybe I'll apply. You know, some of us think that Christianity is some emotional experience that's designed to make us feel better about ourselves. Anybody yet? You know, or maybe Christianity is to make us feel better about the things going on in our lives. You know, if that's ever happened to you, you're in for a very rude awakening about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You see, those who tried that, live for those emotional highs, you know, you understand that emotions are a wave. Right. And emotions come in on a high. That's right. And then they go out. So if we live like we're waiting on the spiritual highs, we miss out on everything else that Jesus has for us because we're found bouncing in the waves. And Christianity also is not just merely a battle of will. It's not just about trying to do better. I don't know about you. I'm throwing myself out there again. But faith is not trying to behave better. Because I don't know. I can try. I've tried a lot. And eventually, I fail. Because it's me doing it. I'm trying. So to understand what it's meant by heart is to understand all of these things because the heart talks about every aspect of who and what we are. It's the center of our personality. It is our mind. It is where our thoughts come out of. It's how we engage others. It's how we engage the world around us. The heart is the source of everything we do. Now, with that being said, let me give you some really good news. Y'all ready for this? The heart's the root of all of our problems, too. <laughs> Don't believe me? Matthew 15, 19, Jesus says, For from the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulterers, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, slander. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you thought your problems were situational. Maybe you thought your problems were caused by the other person. Maybe you thought if I had more money. Maybe you thought if I had this car. Maybe if I had this house, everything would be okay. Maybe you thought, you know, if I just had someone to love me, I wouldn't need to go outside my marriage to find satisfaction or I wouldn't need to turn to a computer screen to fill my needs or maybe you thought that I feel so empty inside I can't fill this need so I'm going to turn to the bottom of a bottle or a needle to try to fill the pain of your heart maybe you've taken to social media as a way to feel like I'm loved by other people. Look how many friends I have on social media. Look how many likes I get on social media. 
Or maybe use it in the other way. Use it as an outlet for your anger and your frustration because you have a void in your heart. So you lash out at anybody who disagrees with you. That's you. My prayer is that God will be showing you that this need in your heart is not situational. It's a heart issue. And things will never change until the heart changes. So let's talk about that word pure. Because remember, we're told that only the pure of heart will see God. So understanding this verse should really be at the top of everyone's list here. Now the word pure actually has a couple of meanings in the original language. The first is without hypocrisy or single-mindedness. It also means to be without folds, to be laid open. It speaks to the condition of being laid out open and bare with nothing hidden. It speaks to a sincere devotion to God. Psalm 86.11 says, Unite my heart to fear your name. See, we are to have an undivided heart that is focused solely on God. Now, as we've seen in our own lives, I know I can attest to this. The problem arises in our lives when our hearts are not united with God, when they are divided between God and the world, whatever that desire is that isn't of God. A pure heart is one that is not divided, but solely focused on God the Father. Now, another meaning for the word pure is to be cleansed completely, to be without defilement. And we see this laid out in the book of Revelation. Actually, chapter 21, verse 27, finds the apostle John talking about the new Jerusalem and the people that will enter it. John writes, nothing unclean will ever enter it nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those written in the Lamb's book of life. And it goes on. Revelation twenty-two fourteen and 15 says, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I think we read that just a second ago. Oh yeah, Jesus said in Matthew fifteen nineteen, For from the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual immoralities. Yeah. You know, Jesus put what it means to have a pure heart in the great commandment when he said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love God with every fiber of your being. That is what pure love looks like. That is how God loves you and me. We are to desire God above everything and everyone else. Whether it be spouse, parents, kids, God needs to be first and foremost. We are to desire to know God more and more. We are to desire to understand him, to be in his word. We desire to know him, to love him, to serve him, not for our own glory, but for his, with every fiber 
of our being. So another word for this type of living is holiness. And a lot of people get weirded out anytime somebody gets up here and says the word holiness. For some reason, it's not very popular in our culture today. But if you remember, we talked about last week that Jesus was kind of a countercultural type of guy. You know, that's why we have this list here. I mean, who else would say, blessed are the poor in spirit or the meek? You know, so holiness. Not very popular. See, calling people out to holiness infringes on their right to do whatever they want to do. It infringes on their lifestyle. And to be honest with you, some churches see that it hurts attendance. But unfortunately, the Bible talks very much about holiness. Jesus particularly is talking about what it means to be a follower of him as we go through this Beatitudes. Matter of fact, Hebrews 12.14 says, We are to pursue holiness without which we will not see God, which is really just a paraphrase of what Jesus just said in the Beatitudes. And Peter, in his first epistle, says, But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. Because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Now Peter's summarizing one of the principal themes of the entire Bible but particularly the book of Leviticus. And Leviticus is the book that was written out to the priests, the Levites. That's why it's Leviticus. It's written out to the guys who would be taking care of the temple. And he's reminding the people of what God told the priests three times, actually. In 1144, 192, and 20, uh, verse 7, Be holy, for I am holy. We are to be holy. We are to have a relentless thirst and hunger for God and to see God glorified in everything that we do. We are to hunger and thirst for his righteousness. And anything else than anything less than that is not Christianity. God's word is crystal clear. If you are not pure in heart, you will not see him. So this may have some of you asking, how can I have a pure heart? How can I be holy? Well, if you got got those questions, I'm glad you do, Danny, because that's really great. It shows that God is working in your heart, and that's the good news. Now the bad news. You can't do it. Let me repeat that. The bad news of this whole sermon is you can't do it. It's kind of a bummer to end on, isn't it? But it's the truth. It's found cover to cover in this book. You can't do anything to create a pure heart or even do anything holy on your own. But there is good news. Who wants good news? Anybody? God can. So flip over to Ezekiel chapter 36 in your Bibles. It's in the Old Testament. Flip about, I don't know, about a third or so back. Ezekiel's uh, one of the prophets that uh, we find. No, Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36. 
we're going to pick up in verse 22. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God. Even through you I will vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all of the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Did anyone pick up on who is doing the work here? It's not me. It's not you. It's God. God is the one who says, I will give you a new heart. God is the one who says, I will give you a new spirit. I will put my spirit into you. God is the one who creates in us the thirst and hunger for his righteousness. Now, you might be thinking that's really nice, but that's Old Testament. That doesn't really apply. Well, flip over the gospel according to John chapter 3. As you're getting there, I'll tell you a little bit about that. Here it is that we find Jesus having a conversation with a very renowned Pharisee of the day. His name is Nicodemus. Matter of fact, he's so renowned that Jesus calls him the teacher of Israel. So, guys should know what's going on, right? So follow along as I begin reading in verse 1 of chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from, come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? 
Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses was lifted up the serpent, lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. For whoever believes in him has eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. See, Jesus is reminding Nicodemus of that new birth that we just read about in Ezekiel. And as a teacher of the law, as the teacher of Israel, Nicodemus would have had this all memorized. He would have been able to understand what Jesus was talking about. And all of this rebirth, all of this transformation of heart and spirit is only made possible by God. Through Jesus Christ coming down to this earth, being beaten, tortured, crucified, then raised up on a cross to die. But he didn't stay dead. He was raised and ascended and put at the right hand of the Father so that we can receive the Holy Spirit and receive eternal life. Now verse 21 talks about what we're talking about today. Verse 21 says, But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. See, those that love the light or are pure in spirit seek and thirst for that light, seek and thirst after that purity of spirit. And it's evident by what they do because it's not them doing it, it's God doing it through them for his glory according to his will and through his power when we humble ourselves, understanding that we can do nothing apart from him and allow him to live in and through us. So what now? After hearing this, some of you need just to spend some time with God. You need to talk to God. You need to ask God to give you that new heart. And to put his spirit into you. Some of you need to spend time with God and repent of the things that have divided your attention from him. So that you can come towards the Father with an undivided heart not focused on the things of this world, not divided over this or that. 
Some of you have been sitting on the sidelines, not glorifying God, not serving him, not sharing the gospel with others. You need to stop wasting time. You need to get in the game and start allowing God to live through you. Some of you need to begin discipling and pouring into others. See, becoming a Christian is not the end game. We have a mission here to make disciples, more and better disciples. We need to be discipling people. We need to be teaching them what God has to say. We need to be helping them grow in their knowledge of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. But however God's calling you, however God is challenging you, as you've been hearing these Beatitudes, as you've been hearing what it means to be pure of heart, because blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. Listen to him. Do not ignore him. You've heard the ramifications of ignoring him. You will not see God. Let's pray. Lord God, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time in your word. We thank you for this time to be transformed and convicted by your word. Lord, my prayer for myself and everyone here is that we would be in the word and that the word would be in us so that you can live in and through us so that people will see you in us, not because of anything we do, but because of you being in us. And Lord, I pray that you will create in us a pure heart. For Lord, as you have said throughout this book, from Old Testament to New, there is nothing we can do on our own to do it. So Lord, we ask that you do it. For we know that you are the only one capable of doing it. Lord, if there is anyone here who has not placed their faith in you, who has not turned to you as Lord and Savior, who has not desired to leave behind the desires of this world, to turn away from just things that would seek to separate us from you, Lord, I pray that you'll be working in their hearts now and let them know that you love them and that you died for them and that you're here for them to walk with them and to lead them with just have to come and surrender it all and die to themselves to follow after you. So Lord, we thank you. May we not leave out of here unchanged, but leave out of here seeking to glorify you in everything we do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Friends, if you haven't placed your faith in Christ, if you haven't turned to the one who can transform your heart, to the one who can take that heart of stone out and put in a heart of flesh, who puts in the spirit of eternal life, and I say, come. Come and let's talk about what it means to truly follow after Jesus. Or if you've been walking with Jesus and you're just looking for a place to keep on walking, we'd invite you to come and join this crazy bunch here as we seek to be pure of heart. Because our goal is to see him. Let's rise and sing to our Lord. 
Just as I am without one plea, but that I might wash it for me, and that thou bidst me come to us earth you told us to go therefore among all nations 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them all that you have commanded. So, Lord, as we head out here into the world, may people see you in and through us. In Christ's name, for your glory, amen. Amen. You may go in peace.